This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. This is episode number 91. We're looking at Jonah 4.2, and I'm your teacher, Jeremy Myers, titled this podcast episode, Finally, an Honest Prayer from Jonah. Have you ever been angry at God? (laughs) Come on now, be honest. I bet you have. Life has a way of crushing our hopes and dreams and plans and goals, sending pain and sorrow tragedy into our lives. And sometimes when that happens, we get angry at God. I have been very angry at God at times in my life. Now, when you're angry at God, what do you do? Do you uh, withdraw from God, try to handle it yourself? Make sure you get you calm again before you go back and start talking to God again? Or, or do you lash out at God in your anger? Scream at the sky, maybe curse a few times? Tell God how angry you are. Well, what we're going to see today from Jonah is uh, some encouragement for you and I when we get angry with God, and especially how to pray when we are angry. So obviously, as part of today's podcast episode, we will be talking a little bit about prayer, and I just want you to know that prayer has been on my mind a lot recently, and the reason for that is because I finished writing a book on prayer. And I would like to invite you to join a small group of people who help prepare my books for publication. It's called the Advance Reader Team, and that's because I send you out a copy of my book, a digital copy, in advance of everybody else, and then you read it. Uh, you you find typos and grammar mistakes if you're good at that or enjoy doing that. Uh, and even you make suggestions, provide input, feedback, you know, as much or as little as you want. Uh, and then when the book comes out, you publish a book on Amazon or publish a review on Amazon. And uh, that way it sort of helps other people learn about the book and whether or not they would like to read. It's real simple, easy, not a high, you know, high degree of responsibility or time, just reading a book and then basically providing any feedback that you want, as little or as much as you want. Uh, and then that review on Amazon. That's it. Anyway, if that's something you would like to do for this book on prayer, I hope to have it out. I'm going to send it out to the advanced reader team probably in the next two to three weeks. So time is short. Make sure you apply before the end of October when I'm going to send it out. And to apply, you can just go to redeeminggod.com slash A-R-T for advanced reader team. Redeeminggod.com slash art, A-R-T. Okay? And uh, fill out the application form there. And then I will uh, send you an invitation sometime the next week or two. And then near the end of the month, send you the book with further instructions. Okay? So can't wait to see you there. And with that in mind, let's turn to our study of Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. So Jonah 4.2 begins by saying that Jonah prayed to Yahweh. All right, and before we even get into this, it's interesting that as we'll see as we go through, this is the first honest prayer of Jonah in the book. All right, remember we saw a prayer of Jonah back in Jonah chapter 2, and uh, although the prayer sort of looks self-righteous, I'm sorry, looks looks good and pious and, and wonderful from the outside, it's really a self-righteous prayer. Uh, it's full of uh, religious arrogance 
All right, and self-importance. Jonah focused on himself throughout the entire prayer. He condemned and judged those, those idolatrous sailors up there on the boat. Okay, uh, basically, as we saw in that discussion back then, uh, the prayer in Jonah 2, it looks good on the surface, but it's really a religious sham. And all it did is uh, uh, result in God commanding the fish to vomit up Jonah onto dry land. Remember that? Basically, that verse there where God tells the fish to vomit up Jonah, that's God's response. Even even the fish's response is really quite humorous. Uh, Jonah's prayer made both God and the fish sick to their stomach. (laughs) So anyway, now finally here in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah is letting the truth be known. Jonah is telling God how he really feels. All right, so this is the first honest prayer from Jonah in the story. This religious sham of his has dropped. Jonah is angry with God, and he is going to tell God about it. All right? Uh, You know, he says, this is why I didn't go to Nineveh, God. I knew you would do this. So I went to Tarshish instead. That's basically how he opens up his prayer. And again, remember, as we saw uh, last week in verse 1, Jonah is very angry. In fact, he's furious at God, right? So again, this is not some calm, collected prayer from the prophet Jonah. Uh, you, You can rightfully read some anger and frustration into Jonah's voice here. And Jonah's statement as he begins this prayer saying, this is why I didn't go to Nineveh. This is why I went to Tarshish. All right. This is about to answer. In fact, Jonah's prayer here in verses two and three answers two of the most pressing questions in the story of Jonah. I don't know if you remember, but way back when we started studying Jonah in Jonah chapter one, we were encountered, we encountered two basic questions, two pressing, two important questions in the book of Jonah. One is, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach judgment against it. Instead, Jonah gets up and heads the opposite direction to Tarshish. Why? Why would he go the opposite direction rather than preach judgment on his enemies? Okay, that was the first question. Second question is, and we saw this over and over and over in Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2, the second question was that Jonah prefers death over obedience. He wanted to die. He had a death wish. He was even somewhat suicidal. And the question was why? All right. And now we're seeing in Jonah's prayer that the answers to the two questions are closely related. Now, if you skip ahead a little bit and see in verse 3, Jonah once again asks God to kill him. Take my life, God. Just just, just be done with me. Have it over with. Okay? So uh, what I'm going to do, even though the, the answers to those two questions are found in verse 2 and verse 3, I'm going to hold that off until next week's podcast episode because... Um, the answers are related, and we will be looking at verse three next week. So we'll, we'll we'll find the answers there. And by the way, if you think you know the answers, uh, I almost guarantee that you do not. All right. So um, you know, maybe if you've been listening along to the podcast episode, you sort of guessed it, you sort of figured it out along the way. Uh, but you need to make sure you listen to next week's podcast episode because the answers to both of those questions—why Jonah went to Tarshish, why Jonah wants to die. They're both related, and they're both super incredibly shocking. All right, so uh, again, that that will be next week. Today, I just want to look at this description of Jonah about God in verse 2, and then we'll close with uh, a couple statements about prayer and praying when we're angry, okay? So what we have here in verse 2 is Jonah describing God, and actually, Jonah's description of God here is also quite shocking. Up to to this point in the story, all we have seen from Jonah is some terrible, terrible theology. 
I mean, even in the immediately preceding verse, verse one, the one we looked at last week, Jonah accuses God of committing evil. <laughs> okay. Um, but here in Jonah chapter four, verse two, Jonah provides one of the most accurate and beautiful descriptions of God that you will find in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament. It's so beautiful, in fact. I would argue that Jonah has a better understanding of God than most of us Christians do. You know, we today, we have the benefit of of understanding God through Jesus Christ, uh, which I call the the crucifixion lens, Jesus Christ and him crucified, what we learn about God through the the life of Christ and especially the, the crucifixion of Jesus and, of course, his resurrection as well. But uh, despite that, lots of Christians today do not have as good of an understanding of God as Jonah describes here in verse 2. Jonah says that God is gracious and compassionate, that he's, he takes a long time to get angry, that, that he has great loyalty, that he's sorry about doing evil. Now, we have some questions about that last statement there, sorry about doing evil. Maybe we could say relents from doing evil. But but again, as we saw last week, God, and in previous episodes, God doesn't do evil. And this is just goes back to this concept that we've been seeing all over the place in Jonah about, the, again, one of those pressing questions about the nature of evil. And again, we talked about that last week's podcast episode, so you can go listen to that if you want. But the, the thing is, is this description of Jonah here should make the reader's head spin, Okay. It's shocking. If this is what Jonah knew about God all along, then why did Jonah behave so strangely throughout the story up to this point? Again, why did Jonah go to Tarshish instead of go to Nineveh if this is what he knew God was like? Uh, Why did Jonah endanger the lives of the sailors on board that ship if this is what Jonah knew God was like? And then remember, they said, Jonah, what should we do to you? And what does he do? He basically tells him, you know what? For God to, to stop this storm, you need to commit human sacrifice. You need to throw me into the sea. Then God will be appeased. Well, that's not right. <laughs> and, and, and here we see Jonah knew that wasn't right. And then in, in this horrid, self-righteous, judgmental prayer of Jonah, in Jonah chapter 2, we see that what Jonah... T- thinks about God there, or says he thinks about God there, completely contradicts what Jonah says about God here. And then in Jonah chapter 3, when Jonah goes and preaches this, well, barely preaches <laughs> to the Ninevites, the people of Nineveh, um, you know, basically what he's telling them about God in his half-hearted, short, you know, barely uttered sermon is basically God doesn't care about them. But now we see from Jonah's description that Jonah knows very well that God does. Okay, so Jonah's description here ultimately is a real surprising twist in the story. The story has indicated over and over and over that Jonah has terrible theology about God. But now we see exactly the opposite, that all along Jonah knew exactly what God is like. All right, we've been thinking, the reader's been thinking, you know, Jonah's behavior, well, we have to understand Jonah's behavior, Old Testament prophet here, his thinking was a little bit twisted. He didn't know about Jesus, what we know about Jesus. But now we see, wait a minute, Jonah has known from the beginning that God, from our perspective, looks like Jesus, very much like Jesus. And so, so, so we have to wonder, why has Jonah purposefully failed to teach the sailors and the Ninevites anything true about God? 
Why would Jonah do this? What is Jonah doing? What is he up to? Why have his words and his actions all the way throughout the story been the exact opposite of what he says here in verse 2 that he knows is true about God? By the way, (laughs) this is another reason why you cannot look at someone's actions to determine whether or not they're a Christian. It's a very common teaching in today's Christian church world. If you wanted to tell whether someone's a Christian or not, just look at how they behave. It's baloney. You can't. Jonah here is a perfect example of that. He knows very well what God is like, but his actions all the way through the story, uh, even up, up to here in, in chapter 4, and then even after this point, later on in chapter 4, they go exactly the opposite, contrary to what he knows to be true about God. Okay, so again, you can never, ever, ever determine a person's eternal destiny, whether they're a Christian or not, that sort of thing, based on their actions. Okay, behavior often does not match up with what a person believes. Anyway, that's that's another side point. Um, but uh, look, now, now I, I, did you know I'm writing a commentary on Jonah? Uh, the, these five descriptive phrases that Jonah uses about God in verse 2 Um, I spend many pages in the commentary digging deep into all five of these terms. And if I was going to do that in this podcast episode, this episode would be about an hour long. So I'm not going to do that. And basically, what I want to do is just summarize sort of for you these five phrases that Jonah uses to describe God in verse 2. And then if you really want more, you can get that commentary when it comes out. But but, uh, basically, the, the first word here is gracious. And um, it, it's obviously related to the word for grace. And lots, again, lots of Christians don't understand God's grace today. Um, and I don't, I don't need to get into that. But basically, you can never, ever, ever talk too much about God's grace. Um, very, people ha- very, very many people have a very weak view about grace. And, um, but it's impossible to take grace too far. I think that if your view of grace is it's not shocking and scandalous and outrageous, then, then you don't fully understand grace well enough. Uh, your teaching on grace, my teaching on grace, should always lead people to the Romans 6-1 question, where, where someone objects to what Paul is teaching about grace, and basically, what? Are you saying that we can just go sin all we want? Okay? If your teaching on grace doesn't cause someone to say that, wait a minute, if what you're saying is true, that means I can just go sin all I want. Okay? If, if that's not the objection you get, then you're not teaching grace. Uh, anyway, so you need to have a shocking, scandalous, outrageous, taking grace too far sort of teaching on grace if it's going to be true biblical grace. I, I, I uh, teach a whole lot more about that in uh, my online courses about the gospel, which uh, you can take those as well if you're part of the discipleship group. Anyway, uh, the second phrase here that uh, Jonah uses is compassionate. And uh, this is, uh, refers to a deep and tender love. In scripture and elsewhere, it's often used to describe a mother's love for her children. And uh, by the way, this word is rarely used to describe the type of love that men feel. I-, I think that's because there is a special bond between a mother and her children that most men cannot even comprehend. Uh, there's no words strong enough to describe this link. Everybody knows a mother would do anything for her child, all right? And uh, Jonah says here that that is the type of love that God has for us, for his people, for his children, all right? It's, uh, it's used typically of, of mothers and their children, but also of God and 
and all people on earth. Um, Next, the third statement, that it takes God a long time to get angry. Literally, the phrase here is long of nose, or long nostril even. (laughs) Uh, It's a Hebrew idiom. You know, when someone gets angry, their nostrils flare up, all right? Well, uh, this means it takes a long time for that to happen for this person, okay? Uh, it, It takes a long time before their face reddens and their eyes bulge and the veins start popping out of their neck, all right, (laughs) for their nostrils to flare. So it's sort of a, a, you know, a very vivid imagery here, but, but uh, that's true of God. He's slow to anger, all right? And uh, that's, that's what Jonah says is true of God here. Again, is that what most people think about God? No, most people think God is quick to get angry. You sin, he's going to lash out at you. It's not true. Not true. Uh, he's slow to get angry. All right. Um, Jonah then proclaims that God has great loyalty. Now, Great loyalty, you probably aren't going to find that in most of your English translations. It's because the Hebrew word here is chesed, and um, Jonah uses it uh, back to, he used it back in his other prayer in 2.8, Jonah 2.8, to criticize those who are disloyal, all right? So God says, Jonah says that God is uh, very loyal. He has great loyalty. Um, the whole concept is related to honor and shame, which I, I wrote my my master's thesis on, and uh, it's found all over the place, this concept all over the place in in scripture. They lived in an honor-shame culture. We live in a materialistic culture here in the West today, so we don't really understand honor culture, which is why we we don't very well understand this Hebrew word hesed, okay? So anyway, but um, a person who has hesed is, uh, you got to get that little guttural in there, hesed, they work to protect their honor and correct their shame. All right, and so Jonah says here, that's what God does. Now, it's usually, the word is usually in the context of some sort of covenant agreement. Um, And again, this is something we in in the modern Western world don't often understand. We feel like if an agreement or covenant is made with someone, if they break their side, then we have every right to break ours. That's not the way it worked in the covenant agreement in biblical times or with God. The way their covenants worked, that covenant, especially the covenants that God made with his people— is they were typically unilateral, one-sided. I mean, two groups or people made the covenant, but if the other side broke their part of it, that did not give you the right to break yours. You still had chesed. You still had to uphold the covenant because of honor, even if the other side broke theirs. All right, so that's what Jonah is saying is true of God here. He has great loyalty to his honor, to the covenants that he has made, even if his people do not, he himself will. And uh, the last thing that Jonah says about God there at the end of verse 2 is that he's sorry about doing evil. Now, I didn't mention it really, but up to this point, uh, Jonah has been quoting, well, it's sort of a doctrinal statement, a creedal statement about God, which is found all over the place in the Bible. One of the main ones, though, is in Exodus 34. Remember when Moses asks God, God, I want to see your face. I want to see all of your glory. And, and God says, no, that would kill you, but you can see my back. And so, so God hides Moses in this cleft of the rock. And then when he passes before him, you know, he, he covers him and then he can see his back. And, and as God passes by, uh, we hear this, what this, this statement, or Moses hears this statement about what God's character, what God is like, okay? And uh, that similar statement is found all over the place in the Bible. Uh, and Jonah is quoting most of it here. But what's interesting here in verse 34, I, I'm, I'm sorry, in verse, in verse 2, uh, is that he takes out, Jonah takes out a part from Exodus 34, which says that God, God punishes people for their sin. 
and instead puts in this phrase here that he is sorry about doing evil. In other words, that he doesn't punish people for their sin. It's one of these ongoing debates in the Old Testament and on into the New Testament about how God responds to sin. So anyway, I talk a lot more about that in the commentary, but it's very, very interesting here that Jonah changes this part. He takes out the part that Moses recorded and puts in something which is basically almost the exact opposite. Not a contradiction in scripture, but uh, just a different perspective. It's something that uh, Jonah is emphasizing differently. So um, anyway, uh, that that's... Uh, that's what Jonah says about God. Now, he's not done with his prayer. He's going to pick back up in verse 3 next week, and that's, that's what we'll look at next week. But um, this is the first part of, of Jonah's prayer. And remember, he's praying this angry. He's very angry at this point in the book. And I love that because this is the first time Jonah is honest with God in the book as well. Jonah has rightly understood how God behaves, and Jonah doesn't like it. (laughs) And so he gets angry at God. And he tells God about it. Verse 1 says, Jonah was furious with God. And now he is telling God in verses 2 and 3 why he is furious, why he is so angry. And in the process, Jonah prays the very first honest prayer in the story. You know, as part of my online presence, my blog and podcast and online courses, discipleship group, presence on Facebook, Twitter, so on. I get emails almost every day from all over the world from people who were angry at God, became very angry because of something, and they lashed out at him in anger and said some things that, well, they later regretted. Uh, Some very mean things to God and about God. And now they've emailed me or contacted me somehow or another because they are afraid that God now hates them that God has rejected them forever, that they've cursed God, and so now God has cursed them or something like that, okay? And I always tell them, no, 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 no. God isn't angry at you. In fact, he is proud of you because this might be the very first time that you've ever been honest with God. A lot of us think that we can't be honest with him, that we have to hide our anger and hide our frustration and, you know, just go to him with pious sounding prayers and just thank him for everything, how great life is, even if life isn't great. But it's only in our anger sometimes that we begin to realize that we can be honest with God, that he wants us to be honest with him. It's often only in the angry prayers that the honest requests of our heart are revealed. So look, God, if you're angry at God, look, God's not angry at you. He's not shocked or outraged or offended when the frustrations of life finally get the best of us and we lash out at him in a burst of emotions. God, why did you do this? Why are you doing Why are you, God, you know? Look, even if bad words come out, (laughs) you think God hasn't heard those words before? I mean, come on. He's just happy that you're being honest with him. I'm convinced that when we lash out at God in anger, his only response to us is a loving sigh. And he says, finally, (laughs) finally, I was wondering when you were going to tell me what was really going on. I know what's been eating at you, but until you tell me about it, we can't talk about it. You know, I, I'm not, God, God says, I'm not going to force the issue. 
But now that we're talking about it, I'm glad you've come to me and I'm not offended by those words or your anger, your frustration or your accusations of me and, and how I'm running the world or helping in your life or, you know, whatever it seems like to you. I'm not helping in your life. I, I'm not offended by that. I love you. And now that we're talking about it, let's talk about it. We can finally start to communicate. So let it all out. Go ahead. It's okay. Trust me. I can take it. There's nothing you can say which I haven't heard before. That's what God says to you in your anger. Here's the thing. God would rather have you come to him in anger than have you run from him in anger. So when you're angry at God and you try to hide it, that's not pleasing to God because you're hiding from him what you really think and feel. It's just another form of pious, you know, self-righteous dishonesty. So look, if, if you're angry at God, you feel like yelling at God, go for it. <laughs> Don't hold back. That's what we see Jonah do here. Don't hold back. Tell God what you think is wrong. And then watch him show up and have a conversation with you that you probably never before imagined you could have with God. Look, you're probably never going to read it in in a spiritual disciplines book or anything like that, but I think yelling at God is a healthy spiritual practice. And um, by the way, I wrote wrote a whole lot more about this in an article on my blog. You can go to redeeminggod.com slash yelling at (laughs) God. Read a lot more about it there if you're interested. There's also be a, a link to that in the show notes if you want to read it. Look, the point is this. Jonah gets angry at God, finally lashes out at God in anger, and in so doing, prays his first honest prayer in the book. And it is there that God meets him and starts to talk with Jonah about what's going on in Jonah's heart. So if you're angry, don't hold back. Talk to God about it. Yell and scream if you need to. Lash out at God if you want to. He can take it, I promise you. He can take it. It's not going to be worse than what Jesus experienced on the cross. Okay. Now, I, I do talk a little bit about this in that book on prayer that I have written and which will be coming out hopefully by Christmas. If you want to get an early copy of that book and also help me make it better and provide suggestions, input, feedback, please, I, I invite you. This is my personal invitation to you to join my advanced reader team. Get an advanced copy of my book and, uh, you know, help me find grammar mistakes, spelling mistakes if you want to. And then also spread the word about it when it comes out. Leave a review on Amazon, whatever. Okay, so um, to apply for that team, so I know who you are, if you want to uh, join it, just go to redeeminggod.com slash A-R-T, A-R-T, art, uh, for advanced reader team. And um, then uh, after you apply, I will send you uh, a welcome email a little bit later. By the way, if you're already on the team, you don't need to do it again. You're already still on the team, okay? You, you, you don't leave the team once you're on it, okay? Anyway, I hope you found today's podcast er- er- encouraging. And remember, pray angry. (laughs) They will be some of the most honest prayers you will ever pray. And God will meet you there like never before. That's how much he loves you. And don't forget next week, you got to join us for next week's podcast. Find out why Jonah fled to Tarshish and why he wants God to kill him. You will be shocked. I promise you, you will be shocked by what you learn. Until then... 
And as always, keep following Jesus wherever it is he leads. He will never lead you astray.